Hi everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 73 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say on all things cinema. Got a good show for you today, as I teased on Wednesday's episode of Let Me Fill You In. Going to be doing a, a deep dive of sorts for my favorite film of the year, and that is Oppenheimer. But I'm going to be tackling it uh, with, a, with a little bit of a different approach. Rather than necessarily talking uh, about the film outright, which, of course, I'll, I'll make uh, passing uh, mentions to, but I really wanted to tackle and, and look at the screenplay uh, because I've had a chance to read it cover to cover, and this is my pick for Best Adapted Screenplay at, ne- at, uh, at next year's Oscars. I have every expectation in the world that this script will, in fact, be nominated. And frankly, I would not be surprised to see Christopher Nolan take home the award along with others. Because this movie, as I have said from the first time I, I laid eyes on it, it is a masterpiece. And I know that is a word that often gets thrown around and it at times can lose its 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 meaning, its its luster. But but this this film truly lives up to that word. It, it is a tour de force of a film. Nolan is firing on all cylinders. The cast, of course, is spectacular. But the film itself, it is it is gripping. It it latches on to you from the moment it starts to the to the moment the credits roll and, and it stays with you. It stays within your soul. I have been thinking about this movie continuously ever since I saw it the first time. It it just has that kind of impact and and power, some staying power. So I thought today would be a fun opportunity to look at the screenplay because it was published in book form. And as I indicated, I read it cover to cover. And I mean, I know the old saying, couldn't put the book down. That was the case with this script. Because even though it is a screenplay in every sense of the word, this particular script, this story, if you will, reads like any great page turner, like any great novel. It's really a master class in how screenwriting can be used as a, as a first tool, if you will, in the uh, filmmaking toolbox. Uh, and it also sort of goes, stands to, to reason that despite all of the, the rules and the mechanics you may have heard about screenwriting, particularly if you've ever taken any courses on the matter, this particular script shows that those rules are, and you'll pardon the expression, complete bullshit. At the end of the day, the script, the heart of the script is a story. And if you have a story that is compelling, that is gripping, that you have characters that come to life off the page, it doesn't matter how your script is more or less structured. Yes, there's sort of the the basic framework that all screenplays follow, but as this one uh, indicates, and this one shows, and I will get more into the details of it in, in a moment, the rules, the so-called quote-unquote rules of screenwriting are, are really just uh, arbitrary creations or something like that. They, they're not meant to be taken uh, quite literally. If, if you have a good story, uh, the rest really takes care of itself, and that is on, uh, on full display here in, in Oppenheimer. But uh, before I, I tackle the script, 
Let me just say, as I often do at this point of the show, thank you, as always, for tuning in and being a part of this cinematic journey that has been going on for now 73 episodes. Uh, I've enjoyed doing every single minute of it, going to keep doing it as long as I possibly can. Uh, As I indicated uh, on on the Wednesday show, let me fill you in, that's going to move to either an every two-week format or a a monthly format. But this particular show, Fill With The Movies, will stay constant in the Friday spot until further notice. Uh, Again, I enjoy doing it, and I enjoy the interaction and, of course, the friendships that have been made uh, while doing it. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for enjoying movies as much as I do. So, Oppenheimer. As I've said, this is my film of the year. Uh, It was my most anticipated, and it not only lived up to my expectations. I mean, Christopher Nolan would have to work hard to to disappoint me. He's my favorite filmmaker. Uh, But but this one, I I really had a lot of uh, hope in, just given the cast, given the, the story and the scope of it. And it lived up to, it surpassed every expectation, It is, to use that word again, a masterpiece. It is a truly magnificent film that is, I will say, hauntingly beautiful. I mean, the the lead performance, and certainly the whole cast, is incredible. Uh, Particularly Robert Downey Jr. in his role as as Louis Strauss. Uh, I expect he will be nominated for an Academy Award, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him take home home the, uh, the prize this year. But this movie belongs to to Killian Murphy. He plays, of course, the title character, Oppenheimer. And my God, I have said this before on the show, where there is a performance, particularly of an uh, of a of a real life figure, a historical figure, and sometimes you'll see a, a performance, and it may be very good, but it's an actor playing said person. There have only been a few instances in, in, my, in my memory where I have watched a movie about a historical figure, and when I'm watching it, I'm not seeing fill-in-the-blank actor playing a, 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 a person. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm watching that, that, that actual real-life person. I mean, I've cited before uh, Austin Butler... As, as Elvis Presley, Daniel Day-Lewis, as Abraham Lincoln. Two, two famous individuals, two historical individuals, one uh, a rock and roll icon and the other the 16th president of the United States. Now, obviously, I did not see or witness either of those individuals in real life. What I know of them is through the history books or, or uh, archival footage uh, or, or you know, truly historical uh, footage of, of Abraham Lincoln, such as there is. Uh, so again, have never, you know, that's my frame of reference. But those two performances, just as, an, uh, as examples, in, showed to me the embodiment of the character, if you will, of the, of the person uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and, and Aaron Butler were playing, Elvis, uh, or Lincoln and Elvis, respectively. I never saw the actor. I never saw 
someone playing a person. I saw the individual. I, you know, I saw someone embody the the, the character, the the traits, the the personality of of Elvis Presley, the the, the presence of Abraham Lincoln, and, and I saw that with Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. I never once thought, oh, I'm watching Killian Murphy play J. Robert Oppenheimer. I, no, this was this was watching. This was watching Oppenheimer. I mean, to, to put it bluntly. Now, I mean, as, as a as a cinephile, as someone who who loves movies and particularly a, a captivating performance, a lot of it stems, of course, from from a script, from a story. And the stronger the story, the stronger the characters. But in a lot of cases, a an, an actor can come in there and just make a performance their own. Murphy does that with with Oppenheimer. He he embodies the person's you know body, mind, and soul. And I have watched uh, archival footage and, and interviews of Oppenheimer since going uh, to see the film, and it's it's uncanny, just the mannerisms, the the inflection, the 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 personality. You put the two side by side. And yes, obviously one is the real person, one is the actor, but the ability to make you believe in what you're watching is is the person versus just a performance is truly incredible and in my view the mark of a great actor. So Murphy does that. It's the same kind of performance where again I feel like I'm watching the 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 actual real life historical figure. I'm not watching a performance. And it's it's just incredible, even just the mannerisms of of Murphy. Like when he's there's a scene where he's fixing martinis in the kitchen. Again, those are those are really throwaway moments that you may not even think about. But if you're if you're paying attention, and particularly if you've seen a film a few times, those are the little moments, the hand gestures, the kind of just the maneuvering around a, a, a kitchen, the way he puts his hat on, the, you know, the, the, the fixation with, with the pipe. All of those are, again, sort of moments that make the character three-dimensional three and, and bring the, the performance uh, out of just being a, an acting job into a into a, what I would say is a, a real-life uh, embodiment of, of, of a historical figure. And, and it's just towering to watch. You hang on Oppenheimer's every word. And the movie is him. This is not sort of like a grand uh, you know, third-person narrator view of, of, of Oppenheimer, his life, and and the events surrounding the creation of the of the of the atomic bomb it's a personal story this is oppenheimer's story i mean thus the, the, thus the title thus the name but the way this script is structured first up nolan wrote it largely in first person so in a in a traditional script you know it might be like you know exterior kit or exterior backyard and then it's all in in third person description, you know, character X, character Y, sit and talk, and that is normally what you find in a script, and that is in parts of it because the way the script is structured, um, part of it is part of the film is 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 shot in black and white, part of it's shot in color, and the way that was 
was done, anything that is shot in in color is meant to show a a perspective from Oppenheimer. It's meant to kind of be a subjective viewpoint. Everything in black and white is meant to be objective. And I thought that was kind of a nice little technique. It's been done uh, before, but the way it's sort of woven throughout the story where it's not like half the film is, is in black and white and then the, the second half is in color. It's really sort of weaved throughout the entire narrative to, to create this, this interesting mosaic where you really see the shifting of perspectives and, and points of view. And it ultimately creates a very complicated portrait. And Thus the point. Oppenheimer was a complicated man. He was a patriot, in in my opinion, but he was a complicated and flawed individual uh, at the end of it. This was not a, uh, a black and white uh, uh, figure, so to speak. There were shades of gray, and that, that comes through in this particular film. But But back to the script, instead of it being in third person, particularly for the Oppenheimer sequences. Nolan chose to write it in first person. So, like, for example, in a scene where it might be like, you know, Oppenheimer glances down at his notes. The way it is written, I glance down at my notes. So we're being taken into Oppenheimer's perspective. And as I said uh, at the start, scripts can have an almost... uh, mechanical approach to it. It's very matter-of-fact and to the point. You're not going to get a lot of flowery and and beautiful prose and and, and soaring rhetoric in a script. A a screenplay is right to the point, all the essentials and kind of the, the... the action, if you will, the the, uh, uh, the the compelling visuals will will arise from the performance and from the cinematography. But this particular script reads so much better and so much more effective than a traditional screenplay, and in part because the first person perspective allows us, as a reader in this particular case, to get into the mind of Robert Oppenheimer, to really understand his perspective, to understand where his headspace is at. And again, it just sort of adds to the engrossing narrative aspect. And I could not put this, this I mean, I call it a story, but of course it's a script, but it reads like any great page-turner. And I think that's a that's a testament to what Nolan was going for. This is Oppenheimer's Tale. This is not meant to be a, here was Oppenheimer at birth, here was Oppenheimer in school, here was Oppenheimer getting, like, it's highlighting key aspects of his life and then putting it all together to create a narrative and then ultimately a portrait of a man who, I mean, literally had the power of the sun in the palm of his hand and was on top of the world, so to speak, and then ultimately saw his reputation, saw his name tarnished, and and essentially was swept from the front pages and and all but confined to the to the ash heap of history, all for largely petty grievances on the part of of Lewis Strauss, and again that just sort of adds to this to this. Uh, this battle, if you will, because the film is really structured as 
as a courtroom drama, even though Oppenheimer never was uh, subjected to a to a a literal trial in a sense his his hearing for whether or not his security clearance would be revoked, which of course it was uh, is set up in a way in the script to be almost like a confrontational testimony. And then you juxtapose that with Louis Strauss, who's being grilled by the Senate, uh, by uh, one of the, uh, you know, one of the Senate uh, confirmation panels, uh, you know, in in his attempt to uh, be appointed to, uh, to President Eisenhower's cabinet. Again, sort of offers an interesting contrast of both individuals under, under the microscope, uh, microscope, so to speak. Both individuals are are, are, are grilled. And as I said, all of the Louis Strauss uh, situations and scenes are, are shot in black and white, and those are done uh, in a very uh, objective manner. And, and what I find most, most compelling is even though they're objective, and, and that's sort of the way in which the camera is, is censured, if you will, it's sort of almost meant to be almost uh, like a, a news story coverage you still get that sense of that of that internal battle going on with Strauss so when he is of course denied when he is of course defeated uh you know you, you sort of feel and see that emotion because it's paired so well with what's going on with Oppenheimer's situation even though his is a much more personal uh, battle and we really get to you know see his feelings and 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 understand his 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 thinking uh but it, it again you sort of put them both together and it and it creates this this really fractured and and at the same time you know hauntingly beautiful uh, mosaic of of uh, undoubtedly a, a pivotal point in american history that that we're largely still still dealing with to this day. I mean, I was reading an interview a number of months ago before the film even came out, and uh, Christopher Nolan was was remarking how when he started writing the script for Oppenheimer, uh, his, his children remarked to him how you know, nuclear weapons and 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 an arms race were were no longer in the headlines. You know, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And then. Just as uh, you know, uh, in a matter of moments, uh, the the world has sort of shifted, and it's sort of interesting how, given that 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 nuclear weapons are are back in the headlines again, and given that we're sort of uh, in a in a proxy cold war, if you will, uh, this movie has a has a, a, a sort of a timely uh, quality to it that that sort of reinforces and 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 kind of refocuses our attention again and and actually forces us to have these these conversations about these weapons about 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 the state of 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 play about the the politics of the current day and even though uh you know history doesn't always repeat itself it certainly rhymes and it's it's kind of interesting and eerie at the same time to see a lot of the same uh st- uh matters if you will that were dealt with in Oppenheimer's time, particularly in the 1950s, are sort of rearing their head again here uh, in in the present day. Again, sort of works well with the, with the timeliness of of this particular movie. But you know, just sort of back to the script. Uh, as I said, I I couldn't put it down. It, it 
it, it engaged me right from that first from that first page, and I think that stems to the fact that this is a screenplay, and yes, it has all the mechanics, but it reads like a novel. It has that page turner quality, and even though this is all historical record and historical fact, given it, it's so vast, it's so complicated, but. Nolan is able to sort of boil it down into, I don't want to say highlights, because that sort of cheapens it, but sort of captures the the key moments and then puts it all together into this, again, to use that word mosaic, that ultimately gives us this larger picture and look at what life was like during this particular time and what was going on for the people in, involved. It, it's It's really a master class in how to how to tell a story and given that this is an adapted screenplay it's based on the book American Prometheus which I've actually just started and it's a it's a it's a tome in a lot of ways uh very very uh vast uh but engaging book uh and it's just a it's really a, an accomplishment on Nolan's part that he was able to take this massive you know behemoth of a of a book and 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 sort of you know hunker it down into you know what what's essentially probably like a hundred and you know fifty hundred and sixty page screenplay, and yet it doesn't feel like we're being cheated it doesn't feel like we're losing any of the important information uh the idea to make this about Oppenheimer to put us into his point of view his mindset i I think really is is the saving is really the 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 sort of the uh, reason for the film's success. I mean, again, it's beautifully shot, it's beautifully made, the performances, but but to put it in his perspective, I think that does the film so much justice. Because if this had been sort of a you know third person, you know, uh, uh, you know, narrator like uh, event where we're just sort of going from event A to B to C, I think it would have been dull. It wouldn't have been. Uh, as engaging and and engrossing, the fact that this sort of blends with with different time frames and sort of you know we start in the the present and then maybe go back to the to the past and then sort of intercut throughout a various uh, point of you know say five or six years, I think that really adds to to the the narrative, but then you you know, sort of juxtapose that with with Oppenheimer as our as our point of view character as as the audience, uh, if you will. Uh, it really kind of puts us in the in the seats of the decision makers and sort of almost wrestles with with uh, you know with our own conscience of of what would we do in that in that particular situation. I mean, I again j- having seen the film now a few times and and really just being captivated by by Oppenheimer and then reading the screenplay, you come away with, with a, a portrait of this man and, and, you know, you can't help but feel sympathy for him. Again, he wasn't perfect and he had his flaws, but this is someone that, that put his heart and soul into a project that he was assigned to do. It wasn't like he, you know, willingly, uh, volunteered. He was, he was asked to, to lead this, project the Manhattan project and yet you know at, at the height of his uh you know his power if you will the height of his glory he was swept aside and and degraded and and ultimately cast out 
from 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 polite society, if you will. And, and again, it's taken years and and sort of rehabilitation of his of his image and 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 reputation. But you know, you can't help but just feel for the man on on an emotional and and and, and human level that you know he you know, you're on top one day and then the next minute you are. You are you are completely forgotten, and certainly he had demons and and his own uh, foibles and flaws that, no doubt, manifested themselves and and perhaps created, uh, you know, issues along the way. But that's the thing about the the film, and ultimately, I think what I I found after finishing, the script, is that w- there's no clear cut answer with this particular story in American history. Uh, it's a complicated one. And, and just sort of vis-a-vis the dropping of the atomic bomb, that's a debate that is still being had to this present, uh, to the present day. And there's a really powerful scene in, 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 in the film, which probably about halfway through or so, where Oppenheimer goes to Harry Truman and tries to sort of plead his case about what should happen with these weapons, you know, given that they've been used and how do we prevent uh, a future arms race. And it's really Oppenheimer trying to reconcile with his own conscience and, and realizing what, in fact, has been unleashed. And, and Truman is very dismissive and even says, you know, I don't want to see this crybaby in in the office again. And it just sort of shows the 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 sort of the the conflict if you will and the and the sort of the wrestling of 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 the weight of this decision the weight of this this power that was unleashed and again there there's no there's no clear cut answer and i think that's what this film ultimately gets at and the the way it ends and i'm just going to just going to read to you the final bit because it really i mean this is an Oscar-worthy moment in and of itself, but just as a little context, uh, the film ends with, uh, you, know, you would call it, I guess, a flashback, if you will. Um, it, it takes place where uh, at Princeton where Eyes, uh, Albert Einstein and, and Oppenheimer are, are down by a lake, and they're, and they're talking. They're talking about the project. They're talking about the, the, the atomic bomb. And the way it goes, I'll, I'll just read it to you. Einstein turns to leave. Up the hill, Strauss approaches. Oppenheimer. Albert, when I came to you with those calculations, Einstein pauses. I watch raindrops make circles on the surface of the pond. Oppenheimer. We were worried that we'd start a chain reaction that would destroy the entire world. Einstein. I remember it well. What of it? Oppenheimer. I believe we did. Einstein pales, turns, passing Strauss without a word. The sound of feet stamping. Close in. My eyes, my staring eyes, as I visualize the expanding nuclear arsenals of the world. The feet, faster and faster. When I can take it no longer... I jam my eyes closed, and we cut to black. Credits end. That whole final sequence, and and really you have to see it to to capture the full weight of it, but it is so haunting. 
it stays with you. And that final scene, I, I can't shake from it because it's it's Oppenheimer realizing the full extent to what he has, in fact, unleashed on the world that if one country has the bomb, another country will get the bomb, and then another, and then another, and then before long, if we if it reached the point where one goes off, another's going to go off and, and it would simultaneously destroy the world. And it's it's haunting because it, it it certainly doesn't it doesn't leave you with a sense of of optimism or or pride. It sort of brings you back to that to that moment where you start to have in your own mind, okay, was was this in fact the right thing to unleash? And and the film again doesn't make a conclusion one way or the other. It's not like this film is a pro bomb or an anti bomb film. It it sort of presents all of that stuff in a in a manner that is that is complicated and ultimately sort of leaves it up to you, the audience, to to make a final determination and, and decision about what happened and, and whether or not it was in fact the right choice. And and again as I said, that's something I think we're still wrestling with to this day as as you know we you know, turn on the TV and and see the headlines again of you know talk of uh, of nuclear weapons being used i mean again it, it sort of it, it harkens back to these these early days of of the cold war if you will and and kind of the 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 the, the wrestling if you will the uh, intellectual wrestling that oppenheimer himself uh, and his fellow scientists for that matter were dealing with in in the immediate aftermath of the use of atomic bomb of of the atomic bomb, and again, just it, it stays with you. And and I I like how the film doesn't lean lean out one way or the other. It doesn't put its its thumb on the scale. And I think that's ultimately the what the best of these kind of movies, which again I would call a biopic, even though it's it's much more uh, of a of a grand epic in a way than than just sort of a a biographical telling of this man's life. It's more the the important moments of of his life and and the creation of the atomic bomb and a key uh, historical event in in U.S. and certainly world history. But the film doesn't go out of its way to say like, okay, this is the right answer or this is the wrong answer. It ultimately leaves it up to you, the 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 viewer, the you, the audience, and just again reading through. The script, as I as I said, you come away with it. You know, certainly a subjective take when you're looking at Oppenheimer's uh, situation. But but then when it's all uh, sort of constructed together, you really see a, a, a much more complicated and, and frankly uh, jaded picture that that arguably we're still sorting out to this day. But I, I just. I, I'm so happy this film exists, and I'm even more delighted that it's doing well. Audiences are are continuing to go see it. It's looking that like it may end up making close to a billion dollars worldwide. Which, I mean, for a three-hour R-rated film about the creation of the atomic bomb, that is incredible. But I think it also uh, illustrates the power of Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker that. He is able to sort of you know get butts in the seats, if you will, and 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 bring uh, audiences uh, 
to theaters to see one of his movies. Uh, there's very few directors left that have that kind of uh, power and hold with an audience. But, I mean, this there is a case to be made that Oppenheimer is his, his magnus opus. It, it is a, a towering achievement. It's a hauntingly beautiful film. And just sort of, again, rereading through this script in, in preparation for today's show, I, I'm just so impressed at the level of craftsmanship uh, that went into it. And again, the idea that it was written in part like a like a journal entry, I think just sort of adds to that that intimacy and, and sort of uh, closeness that we, the audience, can get, uh, particularly with, with Oppenheimer. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, you know, screenplays are, are largely uh, you know, thought of to be these sort of mechanical, stick to X, Y, and Z format. And for anyone that's ever taken a screenwriting class or, or has looked at a script, they are matter of fact. Like I said, it's sort of, you know, exterior, you know, wherever it is, and then a few sort of like bullet point uh, lines, if you will, and then the rest is dialogue. And, and not to say that this film throws that concept or this script throws that concept out the door completely. It it, it still, you know, has the, the certain... Uh, basis uh basics if you will but the idea that a script has to be so rigid in its format uh you know for any of you uh, budding screenwriters out there i would encourage you to read uh this particular one because this this script shows that all that matters at the end of it is whether or not you have a good story and if you have a good story and a captivating hook that's all that matters. You don't have to worry about, oh, was it formatted to 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 a precision? Do I, you know, need to align spacing? Like that that's again, that's bullshit, <laughs> you know, to put it to put it bluntly. And I, I'm just, you know, delighted and inspired looking through this script because it just sort of shows what the format and what the uh, what 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 can be accomplished if you just sort of let your mind uh go and if you have a story to tell, just tell the damn story and, and you know let let the script speak for itself, and and Oppenheimer does that uh, magnificently, and that's why I, I I expect it will be nominated uh, for best adapted uh, best uh, adapted screenplay at next year's Oscars, and I would be surprised, in fact, if it didn't win because this is this is a beautiful a beautiful script. It reads like a novel. It flows. It has great uh, a rhythm and poetry to it, uh, and, and again, it's. It's sometimes with the script you're sort of reading words on a page, words on a page, and even if you've seen the uh, the film, you're kind of like, oh, well, how the hell did did they get that? Uh, I you know read a number of of different scripts over the years, and even sometimes like from a favorite film, and you sort of read it, and it's very uh, it's very formal, it's very awkward. It's like, wow, how, how did this script become this magnificent movie? Um, and certainly, again, the visual uh, you know, medium, that sort of adds a uh, layer to it, and, and, and certainly performances help. But just in reading this, in this, uh, the, this script, it, it, it's, so f- it's so engaging, and you can just picture the, the, the exchanges, the scenes in your head, even though, even without seeing the movie, it's just that... It's just that satisfying and, and well constructed, and I mean, frankly, I'd love to see this script, you know, turned into like a full fledged uh, novel adaptation because it just it, it's so compelling and it's so engaging, and, it, and it, like I said, it reads like any number of, of good thrillers. But uh, 
highly recommend it. Uh, you can certainly pick it up at your your local book uh, local bookstore. Uh, it's just a it's a magnificent uh, achievement. And as I've said before, it's it's my film of the year, and uh, I will certainly be talking about it more uh, in depth in uh, the coming weeks uh, and months. But wanted to just sort of take a different approach with it today, and and just really rave about the about the screenplay because. I mean, not only is it is it well done, but just it is so engaging and engrossing. It's like any great novel, and and that's that's hats off to to Nolan for for the way he constructed and ultimately wrote this story uh, for the uh, for for the script. But that is all that I have for you today. Go see Oppenheimer if you have not. Uh, again, I always try to uh, you know be cautious with like recommending a film because you know sometimes you know people's taste people's uh opinions and 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 whatnot not everything is everybody's cup of tea but Oppenheimer is one of those films I think everybody should see at least once Uh, it's it's timely it's frankly damn good filmmaking incredible performances captivating story but but just the the scope of it, the 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 weight of this film, it, it's 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 amazing. It, it is truly an amazing accomplishment, and I again I'm delighted to see that that audiences are are responding to it positive, positively and, and enthusiastically. So I I would encourage you if you have not seen this film to to check it out. It's still playing, going to probably be playing for a little while longer because audiences seem to be really enjoying it and sort of to to tie it all up in a nice uh, little bow. This is why I love movies. This is why I love doing this show, because it gets me an opportunity to talk about these films and to experience them, and then in in this particular case, to to read about them and and to read about it uh, in in certainly a, a different manner. But that is all that I have for you today. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.